Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb. I am at Mathowitz Construction, located in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. Melanie, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. How are you, Jason? I'm, I'm great. What did you think about that, that drive down here to the mighty Sleepy Eye? Mm, I'd have to say the name Fit. I got a little sleepy on the way down here. Yes, that was yeah. a bit of a drive. Yeah, you you were dozing <laughs> off. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of fields of corn and beans between yes, yes. the twin cities. And the sleepy. beans were kind of the I don't know the ooh it's beans not corn. Yeah, yeah. it was a little bit of excitement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never been to Sleepy Eye. When I originally uh, found out I was going to be doing a podcast here, it made me think back to um, Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't Sleepy Eye, it was Walnut Grove, right? Correct. The, what was it about Sleepy Eye, do you remember, with Little House and Prairie? Did they take the train there? Or they, they had to take the wagon there <laughs> to get some grain? Possibly. There was a significance of Sleepy Eye in that show. Oh, they had to go over the mountain to get to Sleepy Eye. There's no mountains in Minnesota, my dear. <laughs> in the no. show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... The, the team here can uh, bring us up to speed on right. Little House on the Prairie yeah, and the significance of Sleepy Eye. So, Mathowitz Construction. When I pulled into town, I'm like, these guys dominate the town. They got their own <laughs> freaking gas pump, right? Right. That's pretty cool. And uh, let's, let's do some introductions, starting with Julie. Hello, I am Julie Anderson, and I'm one of the owners of Mathowitz Construction. I do human resources, and I do safety, and of course, I handle insurances and legal issues. So, I'm fun, fun, uh, right oh, up your yes. alley. Yes. All the fun stuff. Yes. You and I should get to know each other. Yeah. Yes. I play yeah. alphabet soup a lot. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And then we got uh, Brett. Brett was nice enough to bring us on the tour around the. The, the nice company here and the nice uh, new building, the new office building. Brett, uh, what's your role here? Uh, Executive Vice President. And you hold the name Mathowitz. I and do. Uh, so you're part of the family business. Is it fourth generation now? Is that right? Correct. Fourth generation. Yep. Wow. That's impressive. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we already know about Melanie. And over <laughs> to my left, could you introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm Brian Mathowitz. Brian. And uh, what's your role here, Brian? Well, I'm recently been fired as the president. And, uh, I'm now poor performance. Poor, is that it? That's what it was. You o- absconded. Overstaying your, overstaying your welcome. <laughs> is it works. And so now I'm just CEO, which maybe is just uh, yeah. So I'm the head cheerleader now. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So that brings up something that I've kind of been curious about. I haven't took it upon myself to Google it. The difference between president and CEO. Would you? Would you say the the CEO is more of the visionary, the more of uh, uh, the big the big picture guy, versus the president is more of the day to day operations in in the trenches type work? Yeah, that's the that's the traditional role, and we're and you know to give some definition to it, we're trying to stick to that. So, hmm. my job will be to you know quit meddling in the day to day and stay out mm. of the minutia and get into the just the longer term picture and you know some of the bigger decisions. You know maybe. What's our budget for equipment next year? Yeah. Is it hard to do that? Take that step back? I will let you know when I get it all figured <laughs> out here. It's pretty new. Gotcha. And who is the hairy-faced man to your left? The new president <laughs> of the company? Is that it? 
Yeah, Hello. I'm Chad Mathowitz, uh, president of Mathowitz Construction, and you know, my like you just described, I get more in the day to day, and yeah. uh, I get out there and check in with all the people out on the job sites, and make sure all the equipment's in the right places, make sure we're I'm spending his budget he's going to set for me, yeah, and uh, just keeping everything uh, up to speed with technology and and keeping the keeping the people working and keeping them all happy out there. So, so how long have you held this title now of president of the company? I don't really look back, but I, is this a month now? Two months? A month? Oh, month. It's a month. One month. One month. Wow. What were you doing prior? So prior to that, well, we've my brother and I have spent the last number of years doing uh, some executive coaching. Okay. Uh, but really, the last year we we've been practicing doing the roles and responsibilities of each of our new titles. Mm. It just took that full year to kind of get us all groomed in that to uh, make the make the final announcement and and. Uh, I think it was kind of Dad's quiz to make sure we were actually fitting the right titles and mm. and uh, able to perform. Yeah, smart Dad. Uh, it was a process of me offloading decisions until one day mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't have much to do today. Oh, what was that day like? Well, right? <laughs> different. that different. Forty years of the opposite. So right. It was one day of different. <laughs> and the no. way that we normally, well, I would tell people outside is. We've kind of been doing what we're still doing right now. We've kind of been doing that for a while already. We just kind of filled everybody else in on the picture of what's been happening over a period of time. Okay. Okay, cool. Now, I'm not the great with names. So we've got Julie. we got Brett, Brian, Chad, and Mom. Rhonda. Is that right? Rhonda? How you doing, Rhonda? That's right. Doing well, thank you. Thanks for being here, Rhonda. So what's, uh, what's your title or what's your role within the company here? Well, I am the past EEO officer, and I'm still the corporate secretary treasurer. The the what? The EEO? Yes. What what is what is the EEO? Making sure everyone's treated properly, and that we're hiring the right people, and oh, equal employment opportunity. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Mm. And affirmative action. Okay, okay, okay. I graduated from Annadale High School, so you got to excuse me. Okay, <laughs> EEO. It took me a minute. Acronym. Yeah. A little more alphabet soup. (laughs) We have a lot of that here. It's actually a pretty big deal with everything that's going on in the world to make sure that we're properly diverse. Yeah. The climate is hot with EEO right now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Rhonda, you play an important role. Yeah. A quick message from our sponsors. This podcast was brought to you by Minnesota Risk Partners, specializing in risk management and insurance services for Minnesota-based companies. Check them out at minnesotariskpartners.com. All right. So uh, I don't know. Let's start back from the beginning. Some 97 years ago, people. Wow. That, that's, some, uh, that's some stay in power, right? I don't know who, who wants to tell the story, how we start this. Uh-oh. They're pointing to you. I'm going to hand this to our historian. Uh, <laughs> ah. His name's Brian. I love it. All right, Brian. Uh, the, the new CEO, former president. Let's let's talk about the history a little bit. How did how did this I would call pretty substantial company get started back ninety seven years ago? Obviously, we've been we've had it shared to us from our elders. Uh, Brett and Chad both were not really able to spend a lot of time with their grandfather, and certainly not their great grandfather. They both died young, and so mm. my our, their great grandfather, my grandpa Martin, grew up on a family farm about seven miles mm. south of here, and. Of course, in those days, good Catholic family, there was a lot of kids, and he was one of the older ones. And when he got to be 17, 18, they're like, leave. 
We have enough mouths around here. Go get some income somewhere else. We don't need all of you hanging around here. We got enough help. So it wasn't that big a farm. So, so he started freelancing and trying to figure out, you know, what will I do in the world? But he was a tinkerer and stuff. So in those days, these big wide open fields were not big wide open fields. They were broken up with trees and a, a grove here and, mm-hmm. a, and a slough here and whatever else. So a lot of tiling and and ditching. And so, and so anyway, there was no roads. There was no township roads like we see them now. And so he just bought an old used bulldozer and started knocking trees down. And it didn't have very much horsepower. And so the the real secret to his deal was is that he liked dynamite. Mm. And oh, so cool. they would they would try to tip the tree over with a cat and it didn't have enough horsepower. So he would drill some hand holes underneath of it and stick a couple pieces of dynamite under there and throw some blasting caps in there, light the little fuse and run like heck. I'm and, getting images of Bugs Bunny right now, and, the uh, road runner. And, and then after the dynamite <laughs> went off, the tree was much looser in the ground. He could push it over, wedge it out, push it over and push it away and clear that wow. 40 acres so that the farmer had a, a square 40 acres to, to farm instead of all the zigzag and everything else. Yeah. And then he started, it's, it was called a mucker in those days. They actually pulled it with horses and all it was was a, a disc mounted on the side of a, a, a cart that would kind of roll the dirt up on from, onto from, the cart from here, no, onto the next to it, and okay. then you would drive over it, and then now guess what? The road was a foot taller than the, the side, ditch. so it was a ditch and now uh, a path. Because in the early huh. days, all of our roads were mm-hmm. lower than the surrounding area because that's where everyone drove, and so then the water went there, and they drove there, and it went down more, and it drove mm. it and went down oh, more. Yeah. So the roads were. Get flooded inverted, and muddy and inverted. So his first job was even with horses was to try to drag the side and get it to the middle and try to get the middle of the road higher than the edges so that when it rained someone could get around. So that was his start. Mm. Got kicked off the family farm and started mucking uh, township roads and knocking trees down. Mucking township roads. That's it was yeah. called a mucker. Yeah. That's yeah. what they called it when they turned the soil. It was like it was like a plow, except that it lifted it a little higher and flipped it over into the area where they wanted it. So, do you got a mucker over there in that museum across the yeah. street? Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so that's that's your grandfather doing that. Yep. And then that transitioned into what? And this was back like nineteen twenty something. It's been in the late twenties and early thirties. Okay. It got into the thirties, the Great Depression, and yeah, and uh, he. Didn't do well and uh, had a few bills and fuel bills and stuff. And so his wife, our grandmother, um, they filled out all the bankruptcy papers and said, "Get, go get these into the courthouse so we get out from underneath all of our creditors. And yeah. so uh, he left for the day to go fill out, the, to go turn in the bankruptcy papers and, and you know try to get a fresh start. And uh, he was gone all day. They got to worried about him. It was got to be late at night and he still wasn't back. And finally he came back and they're like where have you been and did you get it done and he's like no i i couldn't do it i owe these people i i can't we still have the bankruptcy papers that he filed oh how cool that he never filed i mean that they filled filled out out, yeah and they never filed and they just kept banging away and got through the depression and and came out the other side and just kind of made their way it didn't feel right to him morally and ethically just to claim bankruptcy because he yep True perseverance. And my dad says even on his deathbed, he died of cancer at 68, uh, that one of the last things he told my dad was, if anybody comes up to you that I never paid him, you make sure you trust him and pay him. He was worried right to his deathbed that he didn't leave somebody behind back in those tough days in the Depression. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, That quality is relatively rare today. I think people are all too eager to maybe 
file bankruptcy or do what they got to do to get ahead in the world. And no, I, I would say I would call that quality, I guess, grit and a strong moral ethics. All right. All right. So you didn't file bankruptcy and you just went back to mucking? Went back to mucking and, and dozing. And then the other start part of the story was is that he was a softy. And so if someone said they couldn't pay the full bill or, or pay it on time, he was like, oh, okay, all right, that'll, that's fine. We'll Good go. enough. And my, and my grandmother was a, she was a tiger. And she nice. said, "Not good enough." No, not good enough. <laughs> she says, "Give me that. I'll drive. I'll take me." She didn't drive, so you take me over there, and I'll go in and talk to him. And then she got a collector. So she was a bill collector. Yeah, there's so. actually one story that uh, Grandma Mary Lou told me is uh, Grandpa Martin would go, you know, to a town hall or to township meeting, and they'd they'd uh, have beer, you know, hang out after the mm-hmm. meetings, and he'd always come home with only half the bill. And he's like, well, you know, we talked it all over. It's fine, you know. So that whole, you know, showing up and guys just couldn't maybe pay the whole bill. And he'd go and just talk, oh, all right, that's fine, half or whatever you can give me. And then he'd leave. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my yeah. grandma got involved and then she saved the business. And okay. my earliest memories of grandma was she literally would go out in the yard after somebody had done a maintenance project and she would scour to make sure they hadn't dropped a bolt that needed to get back in the bolt bin because if it was out on the mm-hmm. driveway, that yeah. was a wasted piece of metal and she, oh. she wasn't having it. Yeah, that's that depression. Grandma taught us how yeah. to collect money. Yep, that's that depression mindset. You can't let anything go to no. waste. Nothing. Nope. Yeah, and if you can do it yourself, you're going to do it yourself. You're not going to hire somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandparents were something kind of similar. I mean, they had, uh, from what I understand, a decent chunk of money in the bank. But my grandma would still go to the uh, grocery store and buy the brown bananas because they were a couple cents cheaper than the the yellow ones. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So grandma was the tiger. She was the uh, bill collector. And is this uh, a picture of them two on the left there? Yes. Yes, yep. it is. She don't look that mean. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll judge a cover. We'll judge a book by its cover. Uh, okay. All right. We call her assertive. Okay. Assertive. She That's looks like right. a sweet old lady. Everyone within she 40 had, miles of here knew Louisa. She oh, had yeah? to be like that so she could get close enough to talk to you about what you might oh, owe you. Okay. I put my guard <laughs> down and then. Well, while Game Grandpa on. while Grandpa was doing the work, Grandma was running a bar, and she was the bartender in town here as oh, well. Oh, okay. Yes. So oh. there was a, there was a bar in the family history as well. Yeah. Now they say that we had it really figured out because the workers would <laughs> collect their paycheck on one end of the building, <laughs> go to the other end of the building, and Spend go into the bar and and give and, it back. And Louisa would get most of it back. <laughs> Smart. Ah. She really did have it figured out, huh? The first entrepreneur. Something. It's a great business model. You, know. you still got room on the end of the building here. You could add on another bar. Oh, yeah. don't <laughs> say that. My son wants huh? to start a, a restaurant in Leavenworth. I'm like, no, you're not doing it. Uh, yeah, I think you should continue that. Build a bar. <laughs> Take their money back. Nowadays, it had to be a brewery. Those are like the, the thing yeah. to do now. Right. Yeah, they're, they're fancy. Yeah. Hipsters go to the breweries, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what's grandma's name? Louise? Louisa. Louisa. And that's your grandma, grandpa. And they continued, uh, you know, mucking and uh, removing trees, clearing fields all along? Or did they expand into other areas of the business before it was, uh, I guess, passed off to the next generation? No, they stayed pretty small. They probably only had a crew of eight, ten guys, and that was that was big for them. And and, uh, and then he had an accident and had a rollover uh, mm. with his truck and broke his neck. And in those days, that was oh. almost always fatal. Yeah. And we do have pictures of him with a complete body cast 
where they wrap plaster oh. around his head and down his neck and all the way down to his midsection. And he oh. had to be in that for, I don't know what he was in it for, uh, you oh, know, year. three months or something. And um, But anyway, it was, it, was that, it was that transition or that accident that then that pushed my dad, mm-hmm. the boys' grandfather, to, you know, at 17 years old, like, you know, going to high school is optional. You need to get out there and run the cruise because your, your dad is, you know, busted Curtain. up. So, yeah. so that was then the transition that kind of got Richard, like our dad, or my dad, yeah. into front and center. And then once he kind of dug in, he, was, he had a lot of his mother's genes, the Louisa genes, and he was a tiger. And once he got going, <laughs> then there was no... There stopping. was no stopping him. When, 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 when Grandpa Martin got better, it was kind of like, don't get in the way. <laughs> we got this going. Gotcha. And he found the bigger customers. He moved towards counties and the roads that were being established. And he moved into when the interstate system started getting built around here, I-90 wow. and all of those. He was like, those are my type of stuff. So he, he grew it fast. Yeah. Wow. What a great time to be involved in that. Like literally when the interstate started. Yep. How cool. So is your company known as like um, a road construction type company? Is that what you, you specialize in? Is that your... Yeah, fundamentally that's our core. Core. And we've, we've uh, tried to diversify into other you know, site work stuff. You know, the big, the big Walmart distribution center, Mankato... Mm. Huge project. We did that, so that's not mm. technically a road, but uh, we've done a lot of commercial development and a lot of big agribusiness development and a lot of the co-ops. You know, and in the, in the last fifteen years, the co-ops have made major pushes for handling grain more efficiently with the railroads, and and mm. and we've been a big part of um, keeping that infrastructure moving. You know, in a progressive way. Yeah, yeah. Your dad's focus, though, at the time, was it pretty much hundred percent? Pretty much. construction? Yep, pretty much. Yeah. And what was the growth like back in those days as far as like employees or something? Did, uh, when, he, when he got involved in the business, I have the impression it was re- really small at the time, and then he added a bunch of employees? I suppose from, from when he took over in the 50s, mid-50s, we grew from a dozen folks then to the 70s. Yep, about 75. To, to about probably. 75. So 80. he, yeah. And then we stayed in that number for a number of years and by the time he passed away in 99 we were probably up to 110 and now we're at 160 so that's pretty amazing for a 17 year old to step up and be like all right i got this um right man i I mean i'm thinking back when i was 17 i was just thinking like where's the next party uh you know (laughs) right Yeah, not like, hey, come run this company for me and, right. and school's optional. Get to work, boy. Right? Right? Crazy. Yeah. Good if, my, for him. if my mom was here, she would want this story told. And, and uh, they got married. You know, they were both 22 or 23. They got married and uh, went on a honeymoon. And it was in the fall in October. So right about this time of the year. And, of course, this is a really important time of the year for us to get our stuff closed down before mm-hmm. nature closes yeah. it down for us and winter comes. And so... They went all the way down to southeast Minnesota to look at the caves, Wonder Cave oh. and Mystery Cave and some of them and the stalactites. And they were gone a day and a half and the, and the temperature dropped down to like below freezing. And Richard oh. said, Mom, or he called her mother, then, or what, Mary Lou, 
we got to go home because none of the equipment has antifreeze in it. We got to go home and start putting antifreeze in the equipment. And in those days, it was just alcohol they dumped in it so it wouldn't freeze and break the radiator. So, mm-hmm. so she said her, their, their fancy honeymoon was only a day and a half. Oh. And then he turned around back and he had to come back. Work was calling. So. Yeah. And she got to help start them, and she didn't know what she was doing at all. So he basically put her on the seat and said, here's the buttons. Don't mess with them. I'll get it started under you. Then we'll put the, get the stuff in. So she was newlywed, taking instructions from her husband, not knowing what If you had one machine on that actually started by itself, you were lucky, and then the rest of you put them in gear, and you push pushed started them. them. Oh, yeah. So she had to do the, the pulling machine and just... Pull it long enough till the back one started, and then she would stop, and he hopefully he wouldn't Try run into the back her. of her. And they got them all running, and they got them running, and they got the alcohol in, and got it circulated so they wouldn't freeze up the engines. So that's some serious teamwork. That's a honeymoon for you. That's a heck of a honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's going in full on, right? Full yeah. send, right? Yeah, full send. <laughs> yeah. Like, what did I just sign up for? <laughs> I'm like, that's what she said. Push starting, pull starting. Construction vehicles. That's a heck of a beginning orientation right there. Yeah, yeah. Learn by fire. So, um, okay, w- at what point did you enter the picture? I was high school, you know, all of, all of us, Julie, yeah. all of us, in our high school years, we were like, you know, child labor, slave labor. Yeah. And <laughs> so we were all involved doing stuff, <laughs> if it was washing equipment or doing something so all of us at a young age so as young as i can remember 12 13 you know i was out either so so all these bolts that louisa would find laying around the shop all over the place she would put them in in gallon cans gallon cans that came from the school that were used gallon cans of course Uh and so there would be buckets of these gallon cans and so when we had a free day not on school or in the summer we would have to sort them back into the bins by size and put them back into the bins, no matter how used yeah. bad they were. Put them back in the bins; the men will use them again. So that was our that was our so early job to no pay, just do it. How old do you think you were back at that time? Getting involved, 12, 13, 12? Yeah. Like that. that had to have given you an extreme attention to detail. Like I mean, you got to pay attention between fine thread and coarse thread. Or exactly, she got upset. Exactly. Wow. So you started working around twelve. Rhonda, where were you with this EEO back then? <laughs> He's 12. I was on a farm about, I don't know, eight miles north of here doing my oh, own thing with my labor. dad being a carpenter's aide. Oh, okay. Uh, were you sorting bolts? Uh, no, I was helping carry shingles and nailing shingles and doing things like that. And you didn't get paid either, did you? No. no. <laughs> so how'd you two meet? Yeah. Yeah. Rhonda, you want to take it? <laughs> this is a great story. <laughs> Yay. No. Let um, me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we, we graduated from high school the same year. Oh. It's just I didn't date him. I dated Ouch. one of his best friends for uh, five years. Oh. <laughs> Brian, is this true? <laughs> yes. Ooh. It's true. True. You're a woman stealer. And Rhonda, you seen him out mucking one day, and you're like, man... <laughs> I got to have that young man over there. Drop the zero, get with the hero. Now, in those days, they wore these nice silky shirts, and so all us girls would sit around him at pep fests and stuff and pay attention Mm. to him instead of... Because he had a silky shirt on? Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was just the shirt. (laughs) See, I told you we like it when they're soft. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about the softness. Those silky shirts don't breathe. I had one. 
yeah. when I was like 15, and but I then, thought I was the bomb. But I didn't, I didn't need it to breathe back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was instant sweat for me. Okay, so, well, you you sat around him at the football game because he had a silky shirt on, and you're like, I want to go with this guy? Is that how it went down? Well, no, he he took my boyfriend down to Florida and hooked him up with a different girl, and then they came back from Florida, and I was out. Oh, (laughs) was that part of the plan? Well, if it was, I was a genius. (laughs) But I... I think I just fell into it because oh, okay. after he started dating this other girl, I said, well, I may as well ask her out. And, yeah. 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 You and go. here we are. Mm-hmm. Some would actually say that I charmed his dad first because my best friend and I would always find his dad at dances and ask him to dance. Oh. oh. So back in those days, this was a big dance area. I mean, every town had a dance hall and, mm-hmm. and there was always one night a week somewhere you could go to dances. And so my dad was a dance hound. Yeah, he liked to dance? So he'd go to dance and... He, he didn't care what age the girls were. He'd ask them to dance. Do they so. ever? <laughs> so he's dancing with, you know, these young 20-year-olds. And, uh, oh, good for buddy. him. Right. I wish they'd still had dance halls. I like to dance. Me yeah. too. I used fun. to compete in break dancing, believe it or oh. not. Especially yeah. that type of dancing. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't know what dancing is anymore, but yeah. you know, back then, dance halls, that sounds fun. I could probably do that. Yeah, it's like legit. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Partner Holmes. Up. You can still find Johnny Holmes and have a good night. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I we're agree. Just, we're just talking about Johnny Holmes on He's another... He's one of the last mm-hmm. ones that still does the big yeah. dances. Yeah, like oh, yeah. dance hall kind of dancing. Yep. Yeah. And he p- packs people in still. We- Absolutely. Yeah. We had him come down and do a pr- private show for us for our 90th anniversary. Johnny Holmes oh, came cool. down oh, fun. to yeah. our local event center and had a, had a blast. Yeah. yeah. Did he play fun. Fishing in the Dark? Of he course. played everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. He, he's amazing. <laughs> All right. And his daughter. So you come into the business sorting bolts around age 12, and uh, that just transitioned into you continue to work at the company through high school. You graduated high school and Right to work full-time then? Is that kind of how it went? No, I went to college. And, oh, you did? Uh, got an engineering degree, so I'm a licensed professional engineer. So cool. I did the whole gamut. Got you know what we thought, what I thought was a, a good background for the industry. Civil mm-hmm. engineer? Or what? Civil engineer. Nice. Yeah. University of Minnesota. I, I, was, I was a kid. I, I stuck around there five years until they said, you should leave now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, were you with Rhonda at the time? Were you good when you were we going to college? We started dating uh, in my third year okay. of college, so... Yeah, that was about when that came together. And so you graduated, came back to the company, and started working for the company at that time? Yeah, I laughed at all my friends who had to go all do these interviews, and I'm like, I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, what was there, about uh, 70-some people working here at the time when you came to work here? Somewhere's in there, 70 to 80. Yeah. You know, so. And did you, what did you think you brought to the company? Was it the civil engineering side, or did you have a special skill set? That uh, was a value. Do you feel like when you when you came back from college? Those and, and I'll lump my grandfather and my father into like first generation thinking. Yeah, they didn't write anything down. Mm-hmm. When he put a bid together, it was like I got her up here in my in my noggin. You know, yeah. and I'm like, how did you how did you bid that? Where'd you get that number from? Ah, oh, I know that number, and I. <laughs> And I knew that that wasn't a sustainable, and so you don't do it, it like that today. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a, it was clearly obvious that we had to develop uh, data 
and track what we're doing and be able to get a repeatable, measurable cost system in place so we mm. could so we could have some comfort. You know, I, I that's probably what why he died young is because he just never could relax and understand that things things would be okay. We can bid a job now for twenty, thirty, forty, seventy million dollars and that night I can sleep because I know we followed our data. Yeah. Right. And my dad could never do that. He had never had any data. Yeah. So we had no system at all. So that that became kind of my role is to put together a systematic way to 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 uh, you know bid work. to bid work. Yeah. You, you you gotta be a little bitter, but you can't be too. You gotta be be able to make a, a it's buck. Gotta, gotta be rhyme rhyme and reason to it. Yeah. Not willy nilly. Right? Not willy nilly. No. no, no willy nilly around here. Um, it's kind of an inside joke. Everybody laughs, laughs when I say willy nilly. I think it's like a, it's a word everybody should use. Right? <laughs> yes. So an interesting, interesting point about my education is I, at University of Minnesota, okay, you know, yeah. big time school, right? We were still doing Fortran programming with punch cards when I went through and graduated in '81, and I wasn't working six months. And a salesman came and knocked the door and says, "I want to show you this thing in this box. What is it? Well, it's, computer. We call it a compact computer." Oh, wow. Really? Does it have punch cards? No, it doesn't have any punch cards. Like, how does it work then if it doesn't have punch cards? <laughs> and here did we you are. buy one? Yes, we did. Yeah. And so you were like uh, a pioneer. Discs. Lotus 123 spreadsheet. Ever heard of I that? I remember that. Uh, yep. Yeah. My dad had a computer company when I was so a kid. So that was our first. So that was where I started putting our data together into Lotus 123 spreadsheets. Of course, Lotus was the thing for 10, 15 years until Excel came along and mm-hmm. boom, yeah, took um, over. Took over and upsurged them. So. Yeah, so and there the, was MS DOS too, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Right back there. <laughs> so you're the process procedure systems guy, and um, putting um, uh, rhyme and reason to the bidding process. And that's uh, has that been your focus all along, or I suppose you had to expand your responsibilities once you took over as president. Correct. Yeah, I was gradually doing more and more project management. So I was I was data person, but in the summertime, you know, I was project managing, you know, and and, and again my dad, you know, was it was just a very emotional, you know, spur of the moment kind of guy. And I'm like, no, 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 we, we need to have a, a better plan here. They they want to have a weekly meeting and we want they want to see a, a two week plan what we're gonna do. He's like, ah, oh, we'll just oh, we'll do the <laughs> next thing. That's it makes sense. What's the next thing? You know, we'll just follow logic. I'm like, no, but the engineer and the owner wants a schedule. I think yeah. I'll put one together. Yeah. Well, well you do that then. We won't be able to follow it anyway. So anyway, you know, so we had some debates back and forth as I tried to do some of the things. And then and then of course owners and and, and the jobs immediately started getting more complex and more environmental requirements and more permits and yeah. you know and, and and literally he's like, what do we need that for? That's that's all hoppy cop. You know, let's yeah. just let's just do it. Yeah. So, anyway, the, so the world was changing faster than he was ready, and so I just happened to, I guess, kind of be the guy to just kind of pick up all those pieces and try to get get them taken care of. What year did you graduate college? 81. 81. Julie, when did you uh, become part of the company? When I was 15. 15? Of course, yeah. because I had my farm permit, and I could drive parts runs, so then I was my dad's driver. Okay. So he would... Do whatever he wanted in the car, including take a nap, while I took three hours to the job, and then I got on a packer, so that because you couldn't waste time while you were on the job, so you had to be on the packer while you were at the job, and he would run around and tell the supervisor and everybody what was going on, and then I'd get back in the driver's seat and drive him back home again. 
Now the Packer, that's the thing with the big roller yep. on the front, yep. right? So yep. you would drive one of those around? Yeah, well, you, you couldn't waste time yeah, on the yeah. job. You had to, or you'd Might join well the just... pipe crew, and I'd much rather ride the Packer than do the pipe crew. Okay, yeah, so. cool. Yeah, so, and then I was in the office for all of my high school years, and then in college I went out on the road, so. Where'd you go to college? I went to, I followed Brian. Yeah? But see, <laughs> I was never coming back, so I went McCarthy. Right. Do you want nothing to do with the company? Correct. Yeah. I went mechanical engineering because I knew they would never need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And here you are. And here I am. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. Rhonda, when did you she get did, st- She did have a nice career at 3M, though, going, yes. so you should tell yeah. me. Oh, I, I, as a mechanical I, engineer? Correct, yeah. Okay. I did five years there, and I got my PE in mechanical. And then, uh, and then in 99, I made a life change direction, and right after that was kind of a... She was a time. city dweller and everything up by you yeah, guys. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. And then we made a life change and decided to come back. And we actually asked a couple family members if there was jobs around here. And Glenn said that we probably should come talk to Brian because he has a bigger company. So that's how we ended up back here. So cool. we said, hey, you got a job for me? And there we were. She decided she wanted to spend more time with her husband who would come back home to hunt all these times. So fall was, oh. she was sort of on her own. She was okay. a hunting widow. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yes. Two yes. children and no husband. Very exciting. They love hunting, do they? Uh, yes. If it flies, it dies. If it's brown, it's down. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> it's my life. It's not a t-shirt. <laughs> Funny. Rhonda, when did you uh, get involved with the company? You met uh, your husband over here back in college. I think you said it was his third year of college. He started working here back in, uh, right after college in 81. When did you start over here? Well, we got married in 81, and Brian was brave enough to tell his dad that we were going on a honeymoon in summer because we got married in June. So we went on this beautiful week-long honeymoon. We got back. And his dad sent him to a job in Brainerd, so he was gone. <laughs> he didn't come for home. quite a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, but I um, I became the office temporary person whenever they needed extra help. I'd jump on board. But other than okay. that, I was lucky. I got to be a stay-at-home mom. And uh, awesome. and how much did you get paid for that help? Most no. of it was voluntary. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. She got children out of the deal. Yeah, yeah, right. You, you had you got your honeymoon. Yeah. Now you got to work for me, and I'm going to take your husband a long ways away. <laughs> but so, it was a, it was an incredible role because sometimes staff would not give you very much notice, and they're oh, out yeah. the door, and we'd say, Rhonda, come on in here. You got to do this job for the next you know two months until we hire someone. So sure. she would do that. That's nice on a number of occasions. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's valuable for sure. And a stay-at-home mom, you had you are lucky enough to have these two, right? Yeah. Any other children besides uh, these two guys here? Yeah. We have two daughters. One of them, the oldest daughter, Rachel, she lives right next door to us now, and her and her husband own a sanitation company in Sleepy Eye in New Ulm. And then we have a special needs daughter, Stacy, who's older, just a little bit older than this guy here. So... Yeah. Who's the oldest as far as this? Brett is the oldest, then it'd be uh-huh. Rachel, and then Stacy, and then Chad's our youngest. Oh, the mm-hmm. baby of the family. Does he need I lots of attention? I going to come up one of these times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. All right. So we got the oldest and the youngest, right? 
Mm-hmm. Brett, let's start with you a little bit. So what were your early days over at Mathewitz like? Do you remember? Was it a similar story, collecting bolts? I just remember, I don't remember a whole lot until I woke up, I think it was the first summer morning after we got done with school when I was 13. And uh, my grandpa was ramming on the door and said, come on, you're coming with me. And <laughs> off we went the entire summer. And so that oh. was the, like right out of the chute. I pretty much just went where he went. And much like Julie, he'd throw me on a piece of equipment or I'd uh, run blue tops for a blade operator. Like I was always doing something. Uh, and then I was just hoping he didn't forget me when he left the job to go somewhere else because uh, that would happen on occasion. And then I would be there for a little while until he came back to get me. Okay. Uh, but uh, it was just a matter of getting thrown into situations that you have no idea what's going on <laughs> and trying to make some sense of it, uh, usually more than what he gave you because he probably yeah. gave you limited instructions and just said, here, go. Yeah. And so then the guys would kind of try and help fill a person in on what to do. Mm. And uh, and so I just, yeah, it was long days. Sometimes, you know, he always would, would throw little balance things in. So we'd work our tails off for, for four days. Yeah. And then on a Friday after we checked in on a couple of things, he'd grab the boat and we'd go fishing. And we'd be fishing there for about a half an hour. And, and you know, if, if nothing was biting, like, I, I'd fall asleep. <laughs> you wore and, out. And then he'd, he'd wake me up and be like, you're never going to catch any fish if you're sleeping all the time. And I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't be sleeping all the time if I wasn't working so hard the rest of the week. Yeah. But uh, so we kind of always had that balance. And so, you know, me and my sister Rachel and a couple of our other older cousins were some of the few that really had a lot of meaningful interaction and, and experiences with Grandpa before he passed. And, you know, it was always a challenge because you'd, you'd go from love you to death to... Uh, what the heck are you doing? And do you even know how to do anything? Yeah. Uh, because that, you know he was very fiery in his approach. He was passionate. He always knew what was going on, uh, but maybe didn't, didn't always, communicate all that well. Sometimes not always mm. the best, but uh, yeah. but you still learned a ton just by being around him and seeing the things that he did and the way that he viewed the world and the projects that we were doing. Um, and so uh, I I consider myself really lucky to have been a part of that. Um, and you know, it it started off, you know, on similar path to Julie, where once high school was over, like I was going and not coming back too. Oh, so yeah, you know, we're, you know, we were talking before. <laughs> we're kind of like the prodigal sons or the prodigal children, where our goal was to get away, and we went away. And it's not that we necessarily like were devastated and lost everything, but in a roundabout way, we went out and tried some different things, and then ended up circling back to where we felt was home. Cool. What a cool experience to be able to work with uh, your parents and your grandfather. Right. And uh, was your grandmother also involved in the business? She was kind of like the, well, she was always, like my dad would say, the head cheerleader. Okay. So she was always showing up in meaningful times. She was picking up pieces when grandpa was running around and kind of chasing after him. And so she was kind of always the one and, and probably the most important thing. And I think a lot of us would probably agree was uh, she was our prayer warrior. Um, when we had major things going on with the business, she'd be over at church lighting up and, you know, and intention candles uh, and lifting us up in prayer. And so that was always a big part of what she felt her duty was, was making sure that uh, if we weren't praying hard enough, and most of us usually are anyways, but that that was something that she could really go to, go to bat for everybody with. So, well, Mm -hmm. mom actually though, in the seventies, the business was in our house. 
And I was raised with the phones waking us up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. And mom was the accounting There was staff. no office. It she was, was just the, the staff. room in the house. It was out in the garage. And they would basically be living in the house with us. The, the one accounting staff, Lynn Halla, and mom did all the work in the house. So that was way, way early in the accounting days. And then they moved. We moved into the big building across the road. And uh, then they upsized the accounting staff. Then she kind of became more of a... An overseer, I would call it. You know, she was helping get CFOs and things like that in place. And but she still spent thirty years totally <clears throat> married to a two-way radio. Yep. Because there was no phones. No, you gotta remember, most people can't figure out pre-cell phone. I mean, it's mm. a, it's, it's fading <laughs> from everyone's right. memory. But we had two-way radios in all the vehicles, and someone had to manage the base station. Mm. And the a uh, lot. there was always someone like. KJN898, where are you? You know, just and so she was always on the back and call. No matter if she was cooking supper or whatever, that radio, as soon as it started blaring, her job was to go answer it and find out what someone needed and try to connect some dots. Because oftentimes the home base could reach the 10 miles that way while dad was 10 miles that way and he wasn't able to reach the 20 miles. But home base had to relay and then you'd Tell relay, him this. And then you'd relay yeah. and he's at the wrong place. Why is he there? And and sometimes those weren't happy discussions if he wasn't in the oh, right place. Yeah. You remember yeah. those days? He's Unit 4. Unit 4? Brian, yeah, he's I don't unit know how four. we did business, you know, pre-cell Dad's phone. Dad's Unit I mean, 1. It was miserable. <laughs> I mean, right. two-way radios, and they, and they didn't work that good. And, and I'm just barely old enough to remember that. Yeah. Like, when I was young, I, could, I remember, because that was actually another one of the jobs that I would get when I would be out with Grandpa. Because if he was trying to get someone on the radio and they didn't respond right away, he was like, oh, they'll get back to me. He goes, I got to go do this. You wait here. And if anybody says anything on that radio, you better make sure to get me because I got to talk to him. And mm. so sometimes I would just have to sit there and wait for somebody to say something on the radio yeah. and say, okay, I'll go get him. <laughs> yeah. it was Not a nearly as efficient. World. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. I even remember like the first, like, I think there were cell phones and they had like a little beeper thing on the side where it was. Oh, yeah, Nextel. Like a, Nextel radios. Yeah. 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 That wasn't even that long ago. That was a game changer. <laughs> it was <laughs> to really, us. Right. To yeah. us, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> and our dad had one of the first box phones in a car where the, the thing was oh, this the suitcase. big and had, yep, yeah, and it yeah. had two stations and you would flip between the two. Oh, yes. He had the first one because. Him so you guys uh, embraced technology. You had the first computer, you had the first cell phone, yep. two-way radios. Yeah. All right, Mr. President, let's uh, let's get your story. You remember the early days of the company? How, how old were you? What were you doing? Uh, I was also 15. That seems to be a common, common uh, age. age to start around here. But I think that's when you're old enough to kind of handle a four-wheeler to get around Leavenworth here. Uh, mm. Leavenworth? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Leavenworth Township. Yeah. Oh, that's the actual That's the name, name of the time. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> when yeah. you said okay. sleepy eye, I was like, okay. "You're in the wrong Not place." Not the prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's where my mind went. Yeah, right. I believe it. <laughs> I have a T-shirt that says, "I'm from Leavenworth, a gated community." <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Yeah. But yeah, I was uh, 15. You know, I I was fortunate enough that I was able to have a couple friends actually join me. So we had, I kind of had a three man crew out here. Uh, two high school buddies. Well, then it was whatever junior high or whatever grade you're in, ninth grade. Yeah. Um, but always had a list of things to do. Sorting bolts was always on there. I don't think we. <laughs> I don't think we ever. Honestly, I don't think we could ever say we scratched that one off the list. It was. It's. 
always an ongoing <laughs> chore. I don't think we ever were able to say we completed that one. Uh, but yeah, we we always had a list of stuff to do to keep everything looking nice around here. You know, whether it's painting the the bollards around the shops or mm. the racks or you know. Yeah. All sorts of stuff around the yard, and on occasion, you know, I'd go out and drive. I didn't have the, I didn't have the, the, uh, the timing where I went out with my grandpa that often. I was between Brett and I were what uh, eight years apart, seven, seven years apart. Yep. So that's a that's kind of a big gap. And then with Stacy being special needs and going to um, school in Fairbolt during the weeks, so I was kind of that's a big gap for knowing grandpa. You know, mm-hmm. I was always really young, and I knew grandpa outside of work mostly. Okay. Um, so I didn't really get to out, out with him much during work, but I did get to ride along with my dad quite a bit. Cool. And uh, yeah, there were some early mornings. You know, that's where I really loved, uh, learned to love egg salad sandwiches. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be yeah. like our number one sandwich we'd pack in the coolers when I'd go <laughs> early before the sun came up with dad, mm. and uh, ride around and and uh, you know same thing. You know, he he always had his moments. You know, get out and check with the guys, and it's like. If you saw the hands flying pretty fast, it's like, all right, this is going to be a quiet ride back, you know, or, or you know, if you came back and the guys were kind of all smiling, jogging back to their machines, you know, it's all right, we're good, we're good, and yeah. you know, but uh, everyone had that had them moments, whereas you know, you got to set some things straight, or or it's uh, going so well, you don't really need to do anything but build up the morale and yeah. and go about your way. But it was always interesting, you know. I think a lot of people forgot that he had radios in his truck because he, he'd pull on site and be like. Guys, guys, boss is on the site. Boss is on the site. <laughs> you can hear it. Yeah, so I did echo it across the job to make sure everybody knew. So it's like if you were doing something that maybe wasn't his plan or yeah. you better get back to what you were supposed to be doing. Wake up. Yeah. Stop sleeping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you got you got put in a, I think you said you, you, when you started at 15, it was you and two or three of your buddies from high school or kind of assigned different tasks around here. So... Were you kind of? Do you feel like you're assigned somewhat of a leadership role right away? Because you had to manage your two, three buddies, or didn't it feel that way? Probably mainly a little bit because I knew the I knew everything around you. So, yeah. um, but we did have one guy, and his name was Monty Helgett. He was, he lived a couple of miles down the road here, and he was kind of our yard maintenance man. You know, he he'd cl- dump the dumpsters if need retired be. Retired farmer. Yeah, he's a okay. retired, retired farmer. So he'd mow the lawns, or he'd do. You know, a lot of miscellaneous stuff around here. So he was really my supervisor. So like we all three of us reported to him. Okay. Um, but if he was on the mower and you couldn't find him, you know, then yeah, I I knew where you know the the shop, the new shop was, or the paint stall, or the the truck shop, or the bolt room, or so I I guess in that essence, looking back, I guess yeah, I was kind of in a leadership because those two that were working with me didn't know anything, mm-hmm. especially the first summer, mm-hmm. and we got to do it a couple summers together, but. Um, so yeah, I guess looking back at it that way, I, yeah, I did kind of lead those two around just basically knowledge-wise. I, I didn't really know much of what we were doing better than than they did, but I knew the area, so yeah. It and sounds you, like you were a great lead, like uh, reader of people also. I mean, at a young age, you're reading your dad coming back to the vehicle, you know, reading the situation, trying to get the feel, the climate of how dad's going to be when he gets back in the car. Do you think that that's transferred to your leadership role now? Yeah, I would say so a lot. I, I do, uh, I guess, you know, at researching it, we, we kind of figured out that probably 30% of my time is just dealing with employees mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, of that 30%, half of it is just they need to blow some steam off and you need to just hear them out. And they don't even want a response. They just want to say, yeah, I, I, was, I told Chad that and he heard me. 
And, you know, most of the times if there's an issue, I'm, I'm out there eye to eye with them. I don't like the cell phone texting mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, if there's an issue, it's like, I don't care when, what time, where it is, I'm going to drive out there and we're going to get this, you know, sorted out. And, and, uh, yeah, even if it's on the weekends, my, my phone and work really never stops. So yeah, it is, it is a big part. All the people are the most important thing. Otherwise we wouldn't be sitting at this table right now. Right. Now, unlike big brother, Brent, Brett, Brett, I have a brother-in-law, Brent, Brent. So get, yeah. and they both oh have the same my. middle name. So get yeah. that. What? Jeez. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, your aunt over there, you, did you also have that rebel attitude? Like, I don't want anything to do with this company once I'm, once I graduate or what was your thought? No, from, uh, from, I don't even know when it started. I had to start it right away when I was 15, but I just loved everything about it. Mm. I was always dug in, um, you know, even, even going into college, I was going to, I, I tried pursuing, uh, engineering mm. and, uh, civil again, civil. Yeah. Yep. So I went to Mankato and I uh, tried to pursue that and, you know, that chemistry thing, I still don't know how that relates to civil engineering, <laughs> but I just couldn't quite get over that hurdle. <laughs> so, yeah, so then yeah. I switched to construction management and uh, went, went down that route. And at one point, it was my third year of college, I just had a, I was helping coach my old high school. My brother-in-law coached me in high school. My Your brother-in-law, year. Brent? Yeah, Brent. Okay. <laughs> yep. He coached me my last year of uh, high school football. He was head coach. And um, after, through college, he was always kind of bugging me to come back and, you know, help out in the booth or help out, you know, coach this and that. And, and it kind of sprung in a, a deep, like, passion for me. Like, I really miss football. Yeah. Mm. And um, so while studying construction management, I was about to finish construction management. And I tried walking on in Mankato there and, you know, they're a scholarship division two school. So to do a walk on was like, you have like Tough. a 0.02% chance to even try to get on the, on the team. There's 70 of us at tryouts and they took two or three. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so after that, I started talking to dad. I was like, I, I really want to do this. I don't, you know, so I started calling around to schools and had uh, university of Minnesota Morris call back hmm. and uh, they said, yeah, you know, come on up. We'll, we'll get you playing. And hmm. So I actually, I had a long talk with him because I was like, you know what, is this just a sporadic thing that I want to go do this or, you know, I'm not going to be able to graduate construction management. They don't have it up there. And he goes, you know what, if this is your your passion and you want to go do this, he goes, we support you, head up there. And and I went up there, I ended up graduating business administration um, and and played two years of football, well, one and a half, well, not even one year because... One year. First game of my first season up there, I did gain a starting position, and uh, I broke my tibia fibia first game. Ooh. So I was, uh, I have uh, bolts and hardware in my lower right leg, and so, so oh, yeah, I uh, got that one cut short. But the next year, I had a comeback season and all conference, all American, some in yeah. some positions. What position so. did you play? I played cornerback and safety. Okay. Yep. Broke your leg pretty bad though, huh? Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, I, I I don't know how gory people want to get, but all I remember is I laid down. I tried to get up and walk on it, fell back down again, and mm. picked my leg up, and my toes are backwards. So, oh, <laughs> oh, ouch! Yeah, and since it was the first game, of course, I had the biggest following there. I had uh, my whole family, my grandma, I think my in-laws were there, and they're like, you know, right away, people were like, oh yeah, I saw Chad get up. It's not him, and. And, and I was and I was sitting there in the stands, and I was like, "No, he did not get up. I swear to God, he did not get up. He's still down." Yeah. Mm. And uh, you know, our 
our stomachs, our hearts just drop right through our stomachs because right. he had worked so hard to get to that point. Oh. Interesting point. You know, so they carted him away in the ambulance and off to Alexandria where there'd be a, a orthopedic surgeon that could put him all back together. And he's in the he's in the hospital, and and we had kind of been with him and seen him, and he was just toughing it out, and you yeah. know, just, just you know, staring, steady face. Yeah. He didn't shed a tear until he started cutting his jersey off. Oh. oh. Then, then he cried. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. They were cutting his jersey, which he had worked so hard to get right. that jersey. And when they actually cut it off of him and get the, to get the pads and everything mm. off, that was the low moment. Oh, because you had worked so hard. Yep. Physical pain was nothing. No. Nope. You could grit through that, but yep. Yep. yeah. Do you remember effort. that or were you in shock? No, do you I, remember it? I do, rem- I do remember everything going through that whole, I mean... The, I think after the, when that started happening, you know, I started crying when they cut the jersey off. Then my wife or my fiance at the time, we were engaged, walked into the room at the same time, and all I could think about was I'm going to be on crutches for our wedding. But the drugs had well set in at that point, not realizing that my wedding was like eight months away. Wow. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, time in shock. But yeah, yeah I had time. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, I think the biggest, the coolest thing was I was out of surgery and, and able to. Like, like hear the team win the mm. game before I was even. He was out, out of surgery before the game was over. The game was over. You can imagine. That. Wow! And you, and you came back from that and played the next season. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that, that was tough. the crazy part. Yeah. So th- I, there's really since 15, there's really only been two summers that I haven't worked here at Mathewitz. That summer, because I took a job in at the high school in town, and I managed the weight room, so all the high schoolers could come in. So that gave me time to weight lift, rehab, yeah. and do all that. And so I, I came back after that summer and, and played an amazing season and had a lot of fun. Met awesome. you know all those guys are brothers to me, mm. and so yeah, it's it's interesting. It came up because one of them actually just passed away last Friday. I just found mm. out, so it's kind of touching. On last yeah. night I found out, but but yeah. So then the other the other summer that I really didn't work here was in college. I decided to take summer classes and work at Walmart and just do a part time gig and. But other than that, since fifteen, I, this is this is where Spent I've been. Home, this is huh? where I've wanted to be. Yeah. So, with that football experience, what was the greatest lesson that you learned through all of that that you've transferred now into your later life? Well, I think even in high school, I mean, I don't know why football was always my favorite sport, but even even in in high school, you know, I was I'm never the biggest, and and I've always been small, but I've been fast and smart, and um, I think. That's always just been my my goal is just to say nothing's gonna stop me and mm-hmm. and uh, anything that you guys can do I can do the same thing and and I I don't know I just had that mentality I don't I can't even tie it back but it was probably when I first got my first dabble in varsity sports kind of was like you know I don't want to the failure thing but I I wasn't gonna focus on the failure I was gonna focus on the I can do this and doesn't mm-hmm. matter you know size or anything. Right. I'm just going to do it. I can relate to that as a woman, and I bet you can as well, right? Like, you have to have that attitude that, I mean, if you're going to succeed in this world, I can do it just as well as you can, right? Wouldn't you say that, Julie? Or um, better? Yeah, I've never had a problem with self-confidence at all, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things that just comes naturally to me, Mathewitzes. I love it. Yep. I love it. Yep. yep. <laughs> Julie is probably the strongest remnant we have of Richard left. Ah. So she, well, Brian and I have decided we're a close tie and we're right next to each other. Yeah. So mm. One day he looks exactly like Dad, and the next day I sound exactly like Dad. So yeah. anyway. 
Interesting. Now I'm stuck in that injury. How, how do you break your foot so bad like like that? Well, was it a helmet to the lower leg or what happened there yeah, mechanically? That's exactly what happened. I, I was going to tackle the quarterback out of bounds and uh, one of my linebacker teammates was diving at his feet and Hit I was yours. planted and it just buckled. Yep. <sighs> yep. Ochi. All right. So you've been in the president role now for a whopping two months? A month. Month yep. or so? Yep. Yeah. September we kind of. How's it feel? I feel like you, you like, what's that song? Uh, I'm the man. <laughs> I'm the man. I'm the man. man I'm the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You play that in the morning now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. No. I'll, I'll let the listeners think I do. But, but no, um, no, it's it, honestly, I've never been one for titles. I've always been one to just jump in and there's so much to be done mm. around here. You know, even when I was, out, I was out in the field, you know, people would, you know, be like, oh, you're the boss's kid. And it's like, well, that's fine. I'm still going to work harder than you are. And, mm. you know, mm. so, so honestly, like my, honestly, my favorite role here yet isn't mm. president. It's well, when I was out on pipe crew, I, I just, I don't know why, but it, that is my favorite role that's, that's been here at, at this company. And I think it's mainly because you're busy all day long. It's physical. I, I mean, I love physical activity yeah. and like working out. So like it kept me fit. Yeah. And I think the other thing is they get to see a whole bunch of jobs all summer long. They're the only thing that really is a variable in a job. They come in, they do that part of the work, and then they off, they, to, the next. off to the next job, and they do the next part. Mm. So, a lot of variety. Yep. And that's where early on for both Brett and Chad, you know, what type of education they got wasn't that important mm-hmm. to me because I knew that they just needed to be taught how to think and how to research and how to find their way through a puzzle because the most important education would happen when they started working here because they did go through the school of hard knocks. Mm. They didn't get the cushy office jobs. They were out in the field sleeping in campers, you know, eating egg salad sandwiches, you know, working with all the crews. And and we tried to start them out at at the lower positions, like grab a shovel. Right. The the sharp edge goes down (laughs) and, you know, go to work. And, and, And I think... That's a lot of the success of where we are today is because um, 70% of the people that we got working here saw them in the trench in mud up to their knees doing right. what had to be done, and, they, and, they, and they've developed a respect for they're not just silver-spooned mm-hmm. executives. They've been in the trenches. You have to respect that. You so truly that, have to respect that. That part of the education, to me, was the part that was going to be the important part. Yeah. Right. So Yeah. Yeah, I spent eight or nine years coming through, and Brett did too, coming through, you know, different roles. We didn't even come through, you know, I did pipe crew for a few years and operated equipment for a couple of years, and then I went to, like, a GPS technician role for a while and then supervision. So, like, we kind of, we came up literally from handling a shovel up through getting a pickup and getting, you know. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yep. And Brett was instrumental in breaking our barriers down with GPS and that whole thing. I'll let you talk <laughs> about that. But I want to tell a quick thing about Chad. You know, we mm-hmm. did we did a, the latest remodel on the Flying Cloud Airport back in. Oh. In, I don't know what year was that. That was 2008, my 2008. first summer. Okay, out so of we're high doing school. the Flying Cloud Airport right up in, right in your backyard yeah. in Prairie, and, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so Chad was running one of our earth movers there. Mm-hmm. And we put him out there, and pretty soon I'm getting calls from the, some of the other Earth Mover, the teammates, because they all got to kind of run in unison. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's like a dance. You, know, you, yeah. don't, you don't need, everyone's in the same synchronized motion. Yeah. And they're like, 
you got to get him out of here. We can't keep up to him. Really? He is going <laughs> to kill us. He's pushing the pace. <laughs> pushing the pace, yeah. which is what you know we needed. You know, that's yeah. you know, one of the things you want to do is somebody's got to push mm-hmm. the pace. You know, someone's got to be that leader to make it go. But you yeah. might want to share about the GPS. Yeah. Well, I guess when I came in the full time first day, we were sitting down having an operations meeting, and the news was broke that our main technology expert, who actually I had ironically trained in before I went to college uh, because I had learned on the very forefront of stuff that we were bringing in technology-wise that he was not coming back. And so my dad looked at me and goes, well, this is your baby now. Since you trained him anyways, you should be fine, right? And I'm like, well, lots happened since then. <laughs> um, but I will get caught up to speed. And so uh, I just started running and you know, flew down to California to get educated uh, just trying to seek out solutions and what was available and what would work. And, uh, you know, early on, obviously, it was expensive. I mean, yeah. it's still expensive now. I mean, it's it's not a, a cheap upgrade to put on. But uh, at the time, the, the value that you were getting was incredibly large. And so uh, the that was always the debate, right, yeah. is value versus cost. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be like, well, I don't know if I see the value here. And I'm like... I, I know you see the cost, but I'm telling you the value you're going to see back, and it's hard to really, you know, until you're mature, you don't really see the full impacts yeah. of how much of a return on investment you get. But luckily, we had a lot of, you know, passionate conversations over the many years of trying to, because, you know, we went through the recession of 08 and 09, where things kind of went down, and we were like, we can't be spending money on this stuff. And I'm like, we got to, we got to keep going. We, mm. we got to find a way to keep going, and luckily we did, and we kind of powered through there. And then when we came out the backside of that, we were more prepared than a lot of contractors were at the time uh, to hit what has been a really good run since. Jason, doesn't that sound like abundance versus lack mindset? Yeah, like to every, take the leap to yeah. see the to see the vision and the justification yeah. behind the investment. So, do you, would you are you saying you guys were kind of in the forefront of the whole GPS thing and the road construction business uh, a little? I mean, in the area anyway. In this area, I would say yeah, and, and we would not only be using the equipment they gave us, but we were always asking for ways to use that equipment in ways they maybe didn't intend. Yeah, oh. and so when they originally came out, you had to set up a base that only worked for us. And then the state had a base that only worked for them. And then we would have conflicts all the time of, well, my information isn't matching your information. Yeah. What's going on? This isn't accurate. And so I went to him and I said, well, what, why can't you guys just have a base that works for everybody? Yeah. And <laughs> they're like, sense. oh, we never thought of that. And so then they ended up going back to the drawing board and making hybrid bases that could use one single known point but put out the information and by radio waves for both parties from the same point and then we had a marrying up of information which created a lot less headaches for us in the field. Mm. Yeah, imagine GPS technology is really important in the work you do. And you know, when I think back to early GPS, remember those TomTom things you used to plug into your car and put yep. it on a destination and tell you where to go? <laughs> so this is way beyond a TomTom, correct? <laughs> well, this is just a different application of the same kind of technology. Uh, gotcha. It's just off-road instead of on-road. Ah, uh, gotcha. Tom so Tom he just, off-road. He, he, just, he had to do a job to sell it because as I looked at the cost, it's about seventy to $75,000 to put that little screen on mm. each machine. Dang. And, and so when you say, okay, times 10 machines, pretty soon that's real money. 
you know, oh, or yeah. times 20 machines or times 30 machines, you can do the math. So, yeah, but big it's bill. Been, been good. But well, that's where we are now is that the, the no longer are the machines just view only. They are actually running the machine's controls. So you get into a machine control situation. Oh, yeah. That is when you started to really see the paybacks and, and the, the, the ability to improve your situation on the job. So In the farming world, they're all concerned about how straight they go this way. Yeah. We're, we, we flip that 90 degrees and we're concerned about how we go this way. So it's oh, it's just different. Interesting. They're, they want to go nice straight lines and have yeah. all their corn mm-hmm. and all that, and we turn at ninety degrees, and we want to control the elevation as we go. So on yeah. top of the horizontal, so theirs is horizontal. Yeah, we have to do both. Yeah. Ours yeah. is horizontal 3D. and vertical. Yeah. Yeah. Complicated. All right. Let's talk about some of the more some of the other work you do. You uh, you are the masters in road construction. You do some site prep work for big box stores. Anything else? going on here we've done a lot of really cool stuff i mean back before permitting stopped things we built like nine or ten earthen dams here in minnesota Mm. biggest one is out by canby if you ever get out there they have a big recreational area so we built that earthen dam so i mean that was a fun run when it came and we did it we've done Mm. a lot with uh when the hog industry exploded back in the late 80s and it completely transformed itself to all the finishing and, and fair to finish situations we did hundreds of you know a new hog barn and the manure handling facilities and everything else and and like i said the co-ops you know most times now they have a big ring railroad where the where they have to bring unit cars in mm. so they have to have two miles of track in a circle to take those cars in and load them with it. They only get like seven hours to load them and they got to get out of there or else the railroad's going to charge them. And so we've done quite a number of those, you know, so we've, we've, if we're moving the earth, we've tried to go in that direction. So gotcha. when the earth isn't put exactly like it should be by God, we, we, we adjust it a little bit. Gotcha. He's reshaping wow. it through us. I love it. I love it. That's great. So both public and private work. And uh, what would be a good customer? If somebody's listening to this, uh, they're interested in earthwork. Is it earthwork of any type, would you say? They could give you a call or certain size, certain areas uh, that you focus on in particular, geographic areas? Well, we work basically the southern half of Minnesota. Okay. And uh, anything in that area that's commercial, residential. We've done some residential developments, but there are some folks there that kind of specialize in that and we've mm-hmm. we've been a little bit distracted because highways and and those you know don't they're they're, they're just a little bit different approach and so you, you kind of kind of pick one or the other Not, so you try to stay in your lane yep yeah we're trying to stay in our lane and we, we, <laughs> pun intended yep, yep. <laughs> there, there's a lot of developers now that you know actually do, you know earth the earthwork guys are their own developers so then that's a whole mm-hmm. different gig to buy the land move the earth, set up all the utilities, and then sell it. And we've just decided that's not probably our gig right now. So, mm. But okay. uh, our, our customers, um, you know, any, anyone from truck stops to retail stores, you know, we, we, we do everything that's probably not like downtown oriented where you got to start doing retaining walls and sheet piling and stuff in the, in the middle of a city. We don't do that urban type of work. So mm. any kind of earthwork in, in the rural area, even from a... a, a Quick trip or a Seven Eleven or a Casey's, you know, we can we do those kind of sites. Okay, we'll even go all the way down to the, some of the local farmers and clear a grove out for them. We'll still do some of that that great grandpa started oh, back, yeah. and they will still yeah. go and and plop a dozer there and, and, and have some a dynamite. Uh, 
too much permitting for that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not quite as explosive these days uh, as yeah, it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not kidding, though. I bought my house from my mother, and on the upper cupboard of the office was still a box of dynamite yeah. when oh, I bought yep. it in 99. So, <laughs> so I was like, it. wait a minute, what are we doing with the dynamite here? Yeah. I really, nah, it's not, not, not my thing. Good thing so. you didn't have a kitchen fire. I was just going to say that. We did almost burn the house down when we were remodeling. <laughs> With all the blasting cap, dynamite is inert. Oh. oh. All right. So all safe, right. I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, typically the falls of the year, we do do a lot of private work because um, our highway work, whether it's county, city, township, state, they want us done by just about this time of year. They're like, mm-hmm. get done before that first snowfall. We just don't want to mess with Mother Winter. Yeah. And so we'd like to work yet from now till... Christmas. Right. So what can you do if you can't do a road between now and Christmas? We do all kinds of variety of things. And, uh, and so, yeah, so our customer base is wide and diverse. Yeah. And we happen to stop by at an interesting time because there is a transition in leadership. And uh, Brian and Rhonda, what's your guys' plan in the future here? What's the, you moving to Florida and uh, going to sip some umbrella drinks and sit in the sun? Or what are you thinking? And no big plans? Um, no huge plans. I have I have 10 grandchildren here that I just mm-hmm. want to be a part of their lives, so I'm not going to try and be gone for long periods of time. But, yeah, we will go probably down to Arizona here and there and, yeah. and enjoy life a little bit. Cool. Brett and uh, Chad, are you guys excited to be in your new roles and taking the company in a, to the next level? I mean, I, I'm really excited about the future that, you know, we're starting to carve out for ourselves. And Chad and I have been on this journey together. You know, we embarked on this, I'm trying to remember, it was like five, six years ago when we really kind of started down this path together, uh, doing formation things together, uh, leadership training together, getting to know ourselves better, getting to know each other better, and getting to know our partners better and the people that we work with. And so... Throughout that discovery, we, you know, collectively, you know, I would say there's there's probably two people that I'm most in tune with. Uh, one's my wife, uh, and and the other one's Chad. As far as being on the same page, knowing each other, and trusting each other, uh, and and kind of you know we really know how to lean on each other's strengths, and I think that's probably one of the the, the best things that we've got working. For us and Julie too, as a part of that picture, there's a lot of strengths that she brings to the table that, you know, help kind of balance Chad and I. Uh, and so, you know, as we've done more and more work together as a, as the three of us, um, I think we're gain, gaining in confidence in, in what we can do and the decisions that we make and the vision that we're painting with each other. That uh, we're we're kind of excited to see where it takes us. I kind of see Julie as the Louisa of the team. Am I right? Well, yeah. On, <laughs> on occasion, I do tend to be a little bit of the the checks and balance. Maybe would yeah. be a good word for it. But um, you know, we have we have a crew and staff and leadership at this company that is second to none, and they take pride in being part of Mathewitz Construction's family. Mm-hmm. We're not really just a company; we're a family, and our employees mm-hmm. know that we care what happens with them. We care what happens at work, but we also care what happens at home. Sometimes Mm. we're more involved in their home life than we want to be. It's all part and parcel with being a successful company, but yet Mm -hmm. still being a family business. And we take it very seriously. It's been part of our blood since 
since we were born. And, you know, it's just second nature to us. Mm. So it's, it's, how we, it's how we roll. Mathematics yeah. Construction is going to be successful for a long time, and our people are a huge part of that. Yeah, Chad. Yeah, and I just got to give a shout-out to, you know, my mom and dad because mm. I definitely feel now when I get a nervous feeling mm. are things that I think dad's like, you'll, I can't explain to you when, it, when you'll feel that, but you will feel it eventually, and that's usually there's a ball getting dropped or something. Mm. You know, you got to help pick it up or find what it is and, and pick it up. But, but honestly, it, this last month has gone by... And it's it's gone very smoothly. We did have some hiccups, you know, with with some some unfortunate events, but but we get through all of them. And uh, but you know, I got to give credit to these two because I wouldn't feel as comfortable as I do if I wouldn't be given the reins of such a well maintained machine mm-hmm. and having all the people in place. I mean, literally that whole back room of all of our management and even this side with half of our uh, accounts payable payroll accounts receivable i think 60 percent of them are still here when i was a baby wow so so that 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 is is comfortable but at the same time it makes me uncomfortable a little bit a lot of responsibility well in the next five or so years there might be a lot of change over too but he was stealing candy off their desk when he was little. (laughs) yeah actually one of our ladies who who retired who was the you know kind of the secretary for my grandpa and then also my dad uh she retired early early the spring and when we moved over to the new office from the old office um, as she was cleaning out, she found magnets tucked up under her desk that I used to play with as a kid when you know, mom <laughs> yeah. would have to go over and work for a little bit and I'd just roam around the office. Sure. And I always find myself under her desk, you know, whatever, playing with the magnets and stuff. <laughs> oh, so, funny. So yeah, it's just stuff like that. But there, there are so many people here that have been fully supportive all the way through my career and my brother's career and, and Julie's career. I mean, there, we have a lot of experience here. And uh, and we try to leverage that in all every project we do, um, and we try to give you know our, our customers and the project owners our, our, all that experience, and, the, and they'll see it at the end. With our yeah. you know, we just retired what six six individuals this spring, and they're all six of them totaled like what three hundred. 200. 200 hours of ex- or years of experience. Wow. With our company, not just in with the strictly with math was construction. Yep. Wow. And there's a lot more of them out there that total up to a lot of years. Yeah. So, so you treat them well then, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. that's proof. Yep. That would be a weird position to have to lead and now be the boss of people who used to see you in the diaper. Right? right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely t- unique. <laughs> it's definitely unique. Uh, but I think part of what makes it less awkward is we were told from a young age as we are coming in, that there's a wealth of knowledge and experience around you, so you just have to tap into it, and you have to ask them and learn from them and, and get and draw it out of them. And in many ways, I think a lot of them take ownership for where we're at because they're part of where we're at. They gave us the stories, they gave us the experience and the knowledge that they had, and they know that because their knowledge was passed on that, well, then it'll be all right yeah. because I got to be a part of developing that future. And so... I think that's one of the big things, and I told that to the retirees when they left. I said, you guys are leaving parts of you with us because you've you've passed that along to us, and we're going to keep taking that on with us forward. Awesome. Well, 
we're coming up to an hour and 16 minutes. Wow, so. that flew by. <laughs> and Julie really thought uh, we were boring. Uh, well, this, is, this is a good one. <laughs> is there anything else you want to bring up before I bring this thing home? One thing, you know, we haven't done this alone. Um, yeah. We've had some really good consultants. We knew, like Brett said, five, six years ago that we knew we had three talented individuals. We just had to figure out how to get their roles set up, but we knew that we had a three-legged stool, and, and those, each, each of the three legs was important so that the stool wouldn't mm-hmm. tip. So we knew we had that in place. So then it was just a matter of figuring out what their gifts were so we put the right roles into, into each of their places so we didn't make someone be something they weren't meant to be in God's yeah. eyes. And so we've had really good consultants. And the other thing is the good Lord has you know, just given us so many opportunities along the way and and and, and we've you know listened and, and tried to take care of our people and, and 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 a lot of things have really worked out really well and and they're bl- they're blessings and mm. sometimes uh, my career it's like you know i i didn't do all this yeah I mean, there, there was the lord was guiding us and helping us for whatever reason that he chooses to do that but this company is very blessed and uh, that's never lost what will i do in in my yeah. rewirement um, i got a couple of nonprofits yeah, we use re, re, the he word rewire, not retire. <laughs> I love it. I haven't heard that. Retire is yeah. a is a really weird thing. Rewiring just means you're going a new direction. True. Mm-hmm. No one sits and does nothing. I mean, Amen. Right. And so I'm rewiring, but uh, there's several nonprofits that uh, I'm involved with that you know that uh, can use you know some help and some guidance and and whatever. So there's energy that can go in some good ways that way. So wonderful. Good for you. All right, guys, let's bring this home. Mathewitz Construction, located in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. Oh, or Little House on the Prairie. So can somebody, (laughs) before we end this thing, what was Sleepy Eye, the significance of it in Little House on the Prairie? That was the big trip. The big trip to yes, Sleepy Eye. Yes, they would make the big trip to Sleepy Eye. They lived in Walnut Grove. They went to school in Walnut Grove. But the big trip to go to the stores and stuff was in oh. Sleepy Eye. And they went up the mountain where the old man lived, remember? There was a mountain. And, and, but the, there Hollywood. is no mountain. Yeah. So right. I'm pretty sure in Colorado where they filmed, oh, okay. filmed it, it was actually fine. But <laughs> you know what's weird, though, is we actually do live on a an old crossing of the river that is called the Jackson Crossing. So here in Leavenworth, we literally have a historical marker of the Jackson Crossing of this Cottonwood River here that was goes all the way Before back bridges. to that time as well. They had to go okay. through the river. And goes they, back to they 1860s. Picked, they picked okay. Rocky Fjords to get through the river, and we have one right. of them here that actually the Little House in the Prairie folks would have went through if, here. If it had really been here, but they would have had to go through here to get to back oh. and forth. Yeah. Cool to Walnut Grove. So and that's the classic Hollywood creative license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no mountains yeah. in Leavenworth though. No, no mountains no in mountains. Leavenworth. No, no, just a lot of cornfields, right? A mm. lot. Big rolling <laughs> yep. hills. Yeah. So yes, we were part of the big trip. Okay, ah. got it. I loved that show growing up. That was a great show. Didn't we all? Yeah. All right, Mathewitz Construction, located in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. Check out their website, Mathewitz. Let's spell that. Math. M A T H I O. W-E-T-Z. When you say the name, skip the I. Mathewitz Construction. Their website is Mathewitz, C-O-N-S-T, abbreviation for construction, dot com. Again, that's Mathewitz, C-O-N-S-T, dot com. Julie, Brett, Brian, Chad, 
Rhonda, I appreciate your time. Thank you for being on Minnesota Made. This is a great Minnesota company. I'm, I, I'm so proud to have you on this episode. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to minnesotamadepodcast.com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota.